The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Uh, thank you for coming tonight, and, and thank you for being here. And, um, let's take our Bibles. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 together. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to preach tonight how firm a foundation. How firm a foundation. And we're going to talk tonight about our foundation the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You can remain seated and we'll read beginning at verse number 9. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth Thereon, But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we've had this day to meditate upon your word, to worship you to glorify and honor you in, in, in all that we do. And tonight as we gather in this place to, to once again glean from your word, I pray that you would bless the preaching of your word. I pray that it would be useful to us and meaningful to us. And I pray you'd instruct us in our hearts and minds. And Father, that you would use us to, to fulfill your will and your purpose in this place and unto your glory. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name. Amen. A firm foundation. Uh, I'm the son of a carpenter. My father, uh, upon leaving the Navy in World War II, uh, settled in his hometown and began working as a carpenter. He worked as a carpenter for many years, and around 1970, 1969 or 1970, he uh, was working for a, a building contractor who decided he was ready to retire. So he sold the interest of his, of his company to my father. I say sold, it basically gave it to him. Uh, but my father became a contractor and a builder. And uh, from that point forward, that, that's what he did for the rest of his working life. I worked alongside my father as a, as a teenager and I spent many years working with him, building houses and remodeling. And my father loved to build furniture. He loved to build cabinetry. And, and that was his passion. But we built many houses together, he and I. And 
The one thing that, that I learned and that he taught me is that the most important part of any house is the foundation. It all starts, he used to tell me, son, it all starts right here. If you don't, if you don't take care to do a good job on building the foundation, then it doesn't matter what else you do, the house will never be worth anything. And that's what, he used, that's what he taught me. Now, how many of you have ever laid a foundation for a house? Have you ever done so? It's, it's quite a job. It's quite a job. You have, to, you have to make sure you get that thing square. It has to be completely squared. It has to be leveled. Uh, we used to have these um, the, uh, transit, and you set that up, and you've seen guys along the highways using the transits, and they look through the little eyepiece, and some guy stands like, he looks like he's a half mile away and he's got a measuring stick and, and all of these things. We, we did that. Um, depending on the type of foundation, you have, you have pier foundations where you have the big, the big tall blocks uh, or you have the concrete foundation, the concrete slabs. And so many, so many things have to go into that. You have to, you have to dig out where the foundation is going to be. You have to remove anything that can weaken the foundation. Then after you've, after it seems like you've, you've, you've spent two or three days digging things out, then you got to start putting things back in. And there's, there's, there's metal bars in there. There's wire, uh, wire mesh in there. All these things are designed to, to strengthen the concrete and hold it all together. And laying the foundation is very, very important. And it's something my dad used to stress to me all the time. It's take care to build a solid foundation because your, your entire work will rest upon that. And if that is not strong, if that fails, then everything else fails. Now, we read just a moment ago that Paul was talking here about our spiritual foundations. And if we look again at verse number nine, he tells us that we are God's husbandry. We are God's building you and I, we are the product of God's work. He, he's building us. He's, he's, he's growing us as his people, as his children. But he doesn't trust the foundation of what we are and what we will become. He doesn't trust that to chance. He doesn't trust it to us. He himself is the foundation. Jesus is the foundation of the church. Jesus is the foundation of our life. And Paul warns us, he, he tells us, let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. So, so certainly from this passage of scripture, you and I can see that we are warned by Paul. We are admonished by Paul to take care and to be careful what things we build. Look at verse number, uh, verse number um, uh, 12, if you will. He says, now if any man build upon this foundation, and then he gives us some, some building materials, gold, silver, precious stones. You know, he gives us there some, 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 some solid building materials, some solid things to build with, some things that, that won't corrupt, some things that, that won't wear away. But then look what he says next, wood, hay, and stubble. And he tells us that this building that we are, the spiritual house that we are building, the spiritual building that we are will be tried by fire. It will be tested. 
throughout our life, we, we stand the fiery trials of testing. Now, what will wood, what will fire do to gold? It'll purify it, right? It'll strengthen and make it stronger. Uh, silver, same thing. Precious stones. You can put precious jewels in a fire. They're going to come out the same precious jewels. The fire has, the fire has no power over them. If anything, it makes them even more pure. But what happens to wood, hay, and stubble when you cast it into a fire? It's consumed. It's destroyed. So here Paul is telling us, take heed, be careful of the things that, of, of the things you lay on that foundation in your life. Be careful of the things you build upon. Make sure that what you're using in your spiritual foundation, in your spiritual home, are those things that will endure through testing, those things that will endure through trials. And then he tells us, no, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation for you and I tonight. Jesus and Jesus alone must be the center of our lives. Everything that we are must be built upon Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to uh, go tonight. This is what I want to consider. This, that, that is how we build upon the foundation. So let's turn our attention for a moment to another verse, if you will. Psalm 127 in verse 1. I don't know if I, did I put that on the screen? Yes, I did. Psalm 127 in verse 1, we read here, uh, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. Now, this is certainly a very true statement. And we must yield ourselves to the master builder's hand. Um, when I worked for my father for years, Billy, my, my father was a master builder. He was a master craftsman. My father could, t- could take an old, ugly piece of wood, and he could take it and turn it into something beautiful, something, something of value, something people desired to have. He was a master builder. And I can remember learning from him. I wish I would have learned as much as I should have, but, you know, I, you got to forgive me. I was young and, and thought I knew it all. And didn't pay as much attention to my father as I should have. But if we can just yield ourselves to the hand of the master. If we yield ourselves to the Lord and, and say, Lord, take my life. Make it, make it yours. And, and do with me as you will. The Lord will build a house. And except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain. See that word vain? That build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in Vain. Now, we all know of the famous sermon of King Solomon, his vanity of vanities, all is vanity sermon, right? In Ecclesiastes, we all, we all know that. And the vanity of life apart from the grace and purpose of God was what Solomon was trying to teach us. Life is vanity without God. Life is empty without Christ. It's, it's meaningless without Christ. If all we do is is live this life and 
pursuit of, of, of self-promotion and, and, and wealth and, and, and power and authority, if all we do is live our life in pursuit of these things, this is vanity. All is vanity. Yet, we also know that as I speak tonight, countless numbers of believers are doing exactly that. Around this country, believers are, are living lives in vain, lives of vanity, trying to build a life that rests upon other than the foundation of Jesus Christ and his righteousness. And this is vanity, for failure is inevitable. So the time that we have tonight, I'd like to examine a life built upon the foundation of the Lord. Now, there are many things that we could discuss about this, but I'm going to limit my, my focus tonight to three things. I'd like to give you three things that, are, that we should build upon the foundation of Christ. Number one, a firm foundation is built upon biblical principles. I'd like for you to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 119. It's an easy book to find. It's in the middle of the Bible. Psalm 119. 119 is easy to find. It's the biggest psalm in, in the book of Psalms. You almost can't help but find Psalm 119. And let's go to verse number 9 together. Psalm 119 and verse number 9. We read here. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. And here in Psalm 119 and verses 9 through 11, we see the psalmist declaring that his strength, that his security, if you will, is found in the word of God. Now, time tonight would not permit me to, to list and hit upon every principle of living we find in the Bible. So, I will just focus this point on the source of all biblical principles, and that is... The Bible. So if we are going, if, if a firm foundation is built upon the principles, upon biblical principles, where will we find biblical principles? Well, we'll find them in the Bible, in the Word of God. Consider just for a moment tonight the importance of God's Word. God's Word is vitally important to the believer. God's Word is vitally important to the church. It's vitally important to, to uh, our strength and, and our growth. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, we read, these are the words of Jesus, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. As Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, and Satan knew that Jesus was hungered because he had just fasted for 40 days. He came to Jesus and said, turn these stones into bread. You must be hungry, Jesus. And you, you have the power, so turn these stones into bread and satisfy your hunger. And Jesus said, life is more than bread. 
Life is founded upon the word of God. In Job, we read this this morning, Job 23, Job says, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. In Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11, we read, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. The Bible is more important, is more valuable to you and I than gold. How much does gold sell for right now? Anybody know? A lot. A lot. But more to be desired than gold are the words of this book, the counsels of God. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey. There isn't many things sweeter than honey, is there? Ooh, honey's good. You put honey in tea? Huh? Put them on your biscuits? Mm, honey is good stuff. But the word of God is sweeter to the, to the Christian, and it's, it's sweeter to the taste than honey or the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. From these verses, we can see that the Bible is our source of life. There is no life apart from the word of God. We can see that the Bible is our source of strength. We see that the Bible is our source of wisdom. (laughs) You see, it is by the word of God that the gospel is preached. It's by the word of God that you and I Heard the gospel. It is by the word of God that we were saved. None of of us here tonight were saved apart from the word of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21, we read, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, we read, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It is by the word of God that truth is established. In John chapter 17 and verse 17, Jesus said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. All truth is established. By the word of God. Apart from the word of God, there is no truth. It is by the word of God that all things exist. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. For by him were all things created. Was there a big bang? Yeah, I think there was. 
I think God spoke and everything came into existence. There was a big old bang. God said, let there be. Bang. There it was. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, or whether they be principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So it is by the word of God that all things exist. So you see, no one can argue against the Bible as the foundation of our life. And if this is true, and it is, then why do so many put so little emphasis in their life upon the word of God? You know, I did some research this week and learned that the Bible remains the most circulated book in the world. Even today, it is still the most circulated book in the world. However, we, we must not pat ourselves on the back because this fact is not due to the efforts of the American churches. It, in fact, is due to the insatiable craving for God's word in the many countries, third world countries around this globe that have been reached by missionaries. People desire the word of God so deeply. They have such a hunger and such a craving for God's word. As missionaries have carried the gospel to every corner of the, of the world, the hunger for God's word has increased. But here in America, God's word is neglected. Here in the land of prosperity, here in the land of freedom, we have all but forgotten the word of God. In fact... It's hard to find a church anymore that preaches from the Bible. I heard a few years back, I heard of a church right here in Ronan Park whose pastor told his congregation, next week, don't bring your Bibles, bring the Sunday paper, because I'm going to preach to you from the paper. I couldn't believe that when I heard it, but, and, and, and how many times, if you, if you, I don't encourage this, but if you watch one of these TV evangelists, do you ever hear them quoting scripture? Oh, they may read a couple of verses of scripture before the message starts, but then they're off to the side and they're walking around their platforms with their crystal, uh, crystal podiums and the word, the Bible sitting there, but the last time they, they even touched it was when they read their opening scripture. And then the rest of the, the rest of the message is, is human philosophy. It's, 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 it's human opinion. But what happened to thus saith the Lord? Tonight, how is your relationship with the word of God? Do we read it as we should? Do we love it as we should? Do we meditate upon it? Do we teach it to our children? Do we share it with our, with our family? Do we share it with our friends? Our foundation is laid upon biblical principles. 
and biblical principles are found in the word of God. So tonight, let us build our lives on on the word of God. Let us build our lives on the Bible. Not changing the Bible or not altering the Bible to fit our lifestyles, but changing our lives to conform to the word of God. But secondly, tonight, a firm foundation is built upon spiritual purposes. A firm foundation is built upon spiritual purposes. I'd like for you, we're in, we're in Psalms, just turn a few more books over to the book of Ecclesiastes. Let's go to the book of Ecclesiastes. And we'll go to chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. We read here, let us hear the conclusion, I'm sorry, we're at verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. I think probably one of the oldest questions ever posed by man is why am I here? This has been a a question that each generation has tried to answer, has dealt with. Why am I here? Now, if we listen to the evolutionists, our existence is merely a chance event. They say that things just came together in the right way to spark life. And that life has slowly, over billions of years, evolved into what we are today. So by their conclusions, our life has absolutely no foundation in meaning or purpose. We owe, by their definition, we owe no loyalties or allegiances to any supreme being. There is no absolute right or wrong. Everything is circumstantial. And by the way, this is actually the philosophies being taught to our children today in the public school systems. This is exactly the philosophy being taught, the the philosophy of secular humanism which says that there is no absolute right or wrong, that all decisions in life are circumstantial, and the circumstances determine your course of action. They teach there is no God to answer to, so there is no God to be responsible for. And if they are right, then we have no reason to be here tonight. If they're right, why are we here? If there is no God, if there is no right or wrong, then why waste our time coming? Why would you waste your time coming to hear me speak? It would make no sense because I can offer you nothing of real value. Maybe I can stroke your ego. Maybe I can make you feel better. But if they're right, then then there's nothing we can do here that's of any value to you or me or anyone else. Because if all we are is here, and we're going to just die, and it's all over with, 
There is no preventing death. So we have no reason to be here. We have no reason to refrain from satisfying every lust that we have within our flesh. And sad to say, many live their life in just that manner today. And if we're not careful, the next generation of children and grandchildren will fall victim to this very philosophy. I can think of no time more urgent than now that we build our lives upon spiritual purposes. We need to quit focusing on money. Now, we need money. I understand that. No one understands that more than me. But our lives shouldn't focus on money. By the way, God has already promised to give us what we need, hasn't he? Take no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. All right? Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto thee. So quit focusing on money. Quit focusing on authority. Quit focusing on pleasure. Quit focusing on entertainment. And start focusing on God. And start focusing on his kingdom. And start focusing on his work. This is what we must do. We need to live a life that glorifies God. Listen to the admonitions given us in scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Ephesians chapter 4, we read, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 12, that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 11 and 12, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, be, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Listen, we are, we are to live a life that glorifies God. Our, uh, uh, a firm foundation is built upon a, a life of, with spiritual purpose. From these and other scriptures, I must conclude that our purpose is first and foremost to glorify God in all that we do. Yet today we see those claiming to be Christians behaving poorly in the sight of all men. And this undermines the spiritual foundation 
And the ultimate end is a collapse of our spiritual house. Turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 7. So I'll turn to Matthew chapter 7. And these are familiar scriptures. You'll, you'll remember them once we get there. Matthew chapter 7, and we'll begin in verse number 24. We read here, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. I remember one, one, time, one year my father was called by a friend to come and, and, and see if he could help him out. And the backside of his house, the concrete slab was beginning to sink and cave in. And dad told him, he said, well, there's something underneath there that's giving way. So he, he said, told my dad, he said, well, can you fix it? And dad said, yes, we can fix it. But first we have to, we have to dig out underneath this. We're going to have to, we're going to have to dig on both sides of this. We're going to have to shore this up. Then we're going to have to dig out and get out whatever's weakening it. Then we're going to have to jack up the, the foundation and we're going to have to, we're going to have to pour some concrete down there to support all of that and, and then cover that hole back up. And he said, it's going to be very costly, very, very costly. And the man said, well, we got to do something here because I'm still paying on this house. I got to do something. And we started to dig. And you know what we found under there? An old septic tank. We found an old septic tank under there. And it, was, it had rotted away and it was collapsing in. And you know, sometimes what we have in our lives, we have a filthy, rotten septic tank in our life. And our foundation is crumbling. Because we built our house upon a poor foundation. We built our, our, we built our house upon uh, pride and upon self and upon, upon pursuing things and possessions and, and, and authority and, and all of these things, none of which have any purpose or meaning to God. And we come to a point in our lives where our entire spiritual home is just collapsing around us because we've been, as Jesus said, we've been foolish. We must build our homes. We must build our lives on spiritual purposes. 33 years ago, when the Lord saved my soul, I determined, and I'm not trying to vault myself, but I determined that I would live my life with spiritual purpose in mind, that I would raise my children to know the Lord, that, I would, that m- me and my house, we sang it this morning, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Build your life on spiritual purposes. Live in as nice a home as you can. Have the best job you can have. Uh, 
have enough money to take care of you and your family. Absolutely. But none of these things should be more important to us than a spiritual purpose in our lives. To glorify God. To worship him. That should be the emphasis of all of our lives. Don't be the foolish man who builds your house upon sand. Be a wise man. Build your house upon a rock. Build your house upon biblical principles. Build your house upon spiritual purposes. But then thirdly tonight, a firm foundation is built upon eternal promises. Eternal promises. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And let's, let's look at beginning at verse number 13, if you would. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning at verse number 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so then them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Now that should end it right there, amen? For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I cannot possibly imagine tonight what life would be like if we had no hope in Christ. I just can't imagine what it would be like. Matter of fact, neither could Paul. He stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 19, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. In other words, if if the only hope we have in Christ is in this life, then we're miserable people. But praise the Lord, we do have hope tonight. We have hope tonight because of the promises of God. Now, there, there are just, there are so many promises in the Bible, we could, I couldn't even begin to list them all. But let me share just a few with you tonight. God has promised us eternal life. Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Before God created the first Adam, he promised that his people would have a home in heaven. He promised that we, he would never leave us nor forsake us. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'm so thankful that 
no matter what I face, no matter what I go through, the presence of Christ is always with me. He's promised us a home in heaven. In John chapter 14 and verse 2, we read, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus is building you a home in heaven, a mansion beyond your wildest dreams. He has promised not only to give us a home in heaven, but he's promised to come again for us and bring us to that home. In John chapter 14 and verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. He's promised us a crown in glory. In James chapter 1 and verse 12, we read, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love us, love him. He's promised to provide for us and to care for us. In Matthew 6.33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He has promised us comfort and peace in times of distress. In John chapter 14, verses 26 and 27, we read, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And, and folks, there are just so many, so many more promises that God has made to us, his children. And when we build our lives upon eternal promises, we find the courage and we find the strength to live our life to the glory of the Father. Without these promises, we, we could not possibly have the courage or strength to live. But it is because of these promises that we do. We have the courage to live faithful and fruitful lives in Christ Jesus our Lord. Peter tells us in his book, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. With meekness and fear. Do you see that? The hope that is in us. We don't, we don't live, we don't live lives in fear of, or, or, or with an uncertainty. We have, we have a steadfast hope in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have a hope in the resurrection, we have a hope in, in, in our redemption. We have a hope in heaven. And that hope is Jesus. Have you ever been disappointed because someone broke a promise to you? I've tried, I've tried in, in my life with my children. I've tried to never break a promise to them. I don't make promises lightly. I don't, I don't, I don't. Matter of fact, over the years, when my kids wanted to get something out of me, they would say, do you promise, Dad? Do you promise, Dad? 
Because if I wasn't sure that I was going to do it, I wouldn't promise it. You know, you got to be careful with that. Because the Lord says, if thou vowest a vow unto the Lord, defer not to pay it, for the Lord hath no pleasure in fools. In, in, in difficult times, people promise God this and they promise God that, and then later they forget all about that promise. But God doesn't forget about that promise. And God doesn't break promises. God honors and keeps every promise that he's ever made. Numbers twenty three nineteen. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. He, hath he said and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? So we can, we can build our, we can, we can have a firm foundation. We can build our spiritual lives upon the eternal promises of God. For we know that God will honor and keep all of his promises to us. And these promises should compel us to walk, as we stated earlier, worthy of the Lord. Consider for a moment the admonition of Peter. Let's, let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. This will be the last scripture we turn to tonight. 2 Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1, and we'll begin reading at verse number 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. You see that? That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, all these promises that we've received from God, these great and precious promises, compel us to live the life that Peter just described to us. They compel us to walk worthy of the Father. They compel us to have a life of righteousness and holiness before Christ. Are you saved tonight? Are you an elect child of God? I say this all the time. Then live like you are. Live like it. I grow so weary of those that want to claim the name of Christ, but want nothing to do with the commandments of Christ. Those that live their life according to the pleasure of their flesh. Those that embrace this world and its corruption. Those that will associate themselves with sinful things that should never be mentioned among the children of God. 
It is time tonight. It's time to awaken from the drunkenness of this world and to live our life soberly unto the Lord, to build our lives upon the foundation of Christ and his righteousness, to build our lives upon biblical principles as found in the word of God, to build our lives upon spiritual purposes and not seeking to please self, to build our lives upon the eternal promises that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord and be compelled by those promises to live holy and righteous lives. Let us pray. Father, we desire, Lord, to, to have that, that firm foundation. We desire to, to have lives that glorify you, that honor you. We desire, Lord, that, that you would be the builder and that we would be your husbandry, that we would be your dwelling place. Help us, Father. Strengthen us. We need your strength. We cannot do this apart from you. So I ask tonight that you would help us to, to, to build our lives upon these things that we've talked about tonight, upon biblical principles, upon spiritual purposes, and upon the eternal promises that we have in Christ our Lord. Thank you for all that have come out tonight. I pray you'd bless the preaching of your word. Strengthen us in our hearts and minds and help us, Father, to leave this place renewed and strengthened in, in your power and might. And we'll praise you and we'll thank you for this. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.